This is the game of life. Welcome to the Game of Life. I'm Gail Nelson, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Miami, and I'm pleased to have in the studio David Frangioni, uh, the man, the architect behind the Boogie Live studio here at Big Brothers Big Sisters of Miami. David, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Gail. Thank you. Very excited. Uh, my pleasure. My pl now, this whole concept, this idea, this it's kind of funny that this comes full circle today, if you will, with you in the studio as a guest here on the Game of Life. Uh, Remember when we talked about this? Oh, I'll never forget it. I mean, and, and I love the Back in Black intro because that's one of the <laughs> songs we played that day. And uh, what we're referring to, everybody, is that Gail and I and Shobi and the Irie team, we all had a meeting in Gail's office and we envisioned this broadcast suite and Gail was expressing you know, his passion for being a host and uh, having a radio show and having a... Uh, media outlet as as awesome as this for Big Brothers Big Sisters and there was just so much synergy in all the things we were talking about that day and here we are sitting in the wow. room that was a conversation exactly a right. year and a half ago. So if you dream it, you can achieve it. And so we absolutely this has come full circle. So thank you first and foremost for your ingenuity, your creativity, and just your technological savvy in getting us here today. Well, it was an honor, and I've worked my whole life to be able to, uh, you know, achieve, you know, outcomes like this where we have a really awesome technical facility. Um, but it's really, you know, I always say it's the it's the archer and not the arrow. So, you know, I'll continue <laughs> to. I, I kind of work on both, right? I'm trying to be a great archer, and I'm always trying to build great arrows. But it's really uh, this room is, you know, the epitome of that. But it's guys like you who are really you know giving it the life that all of this technology is here for well thank you david and speaking of your life what is your personal journey this podcast is all about mentoring this podcast is about highlighting our community leaders and those influencers if you will that just help us as a brand big brothers big sisters to just elevate ignite empower the potential in these young people that we serve but what is your personal journey and tell us about it well it started when i was two years old um I started playing the drums, and uh, I always thought I started at eight, but I actually found photos years ago of my coming out of the front of a bass drum when I was two years old. So it really started <laughs> that young. At the same time that I was getting into the drums, and you know, this is toy drums and you know, whatever, but it was still, for whatever reason, this connection with the instrument. The same time that happened at age two, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which was cancer of the eye. Wow. And as a result, they had to remove my right eye, and I've been blind in my right eye ever since with a prosthetic. And the whole trauma of that growing up and, and being at that age and, and um, just getting through that was extremely impactful and really shaped so much of the rest of my life in, on so many levels. And uh, around eight years old, I got more serious about the drums. And uh, by the time I was 15, I, I had been gigging quite a bit. And I was really on a quest to try to become the world's greatest drummer. And I was already working really hard, playing a lot. And um, on my way there to you know this quest for drumming, uh, studying with some amazing uh, drummers, Joe Morello, Alan Dawson, Lester Merle, um, and... I found technology, and I found technology because at the time, now we're in the mid-80s, technology was very new in music and how it was being utilized on in with with instruments and on recordings, live shows, et cetera. 
and I found it through drumming, right? So I'm in, you know, as I'm trying to become a better and better drummer, I'm realizing that I need to really focus on the sound as much as my playing. And this, a lot of the sounds at that time were coming from electronics. So I explored the drumming electronics of that time, but ended up realizing that I had a passion for technology that was as greater, greater than drumming. And it ended up becoming my career. I started a MIDI consulting business um, in my teens, 1-800-345-MIDI, <laughs> and, uh, and built up a clientele, started working with some great artists, and was really kind of out front on all of the you know technology at that time. And then in 1989, uh, through a whole set of circumstances, uh, got the gig with Aerosmith and became their in-house engineer, technologist, kind of one-man show, running the computers and the multi-tracks and the board and everything so they could write and work on projects. And uh, that ended up being through all of the 90s and through some really landmark records, as it turns out. I mean, when you're making the record, you don't know how successful it's going to be. But in hindsight, those were some amazing uh, records uh, commercially and, and I think musically. And so, you know, Pump and Get a Grip and Nine Lives and Big Ones and Just Push Play and all of the tours and the amusement park ride and the, you know, the tracks on all different movies, Mrs. Doubtfire and Armageddon. And it just wow. was, it was an incredible experience. And in that time frame, I really, I built out uh, my, you know, my career quite a bit and it I needed... I always loved business, but I needed a way to scale myself because if I'm in the studio with Aerosmith or any other artist, I can only I can't be building studios for other people at the same time. I could only multitask so much. So that led me to start Audio One, um, and Audio One built up to a very successful company in the technology space for building recording studios, high-end home theaters, and high-end home automation systems. And that was how the 90s uh, progressed. And we opened up a location in Miami. I'm from Boston. And okay. all the Aerosmith years and the drumming and dealing with the traumas of the cancer and all that, that was all the Boston time. And I came to Miami in the mid-90s. Um, it first started because one of the songwriters on Aerosmith projects was a gentleman named Desmond Child, who's a legendary songwriter, producer, artist. Um, and he co-wrote, you know, for Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer, and You Give Love a Bad Name, and, wow. and you know, many, many, many more iconic hits. And he he wrote a lot of hits with Aerosmith as well, so that's how I met him. And he moved here and was building a studio and asked me to come down and meet with him. And, I, and it sounds so cliche, but I literally came to Miami for the first time and almost never left. <laughs> like, I was just spending so much time here because if you remember in the mid-'90s, Miami was growing so much, right? And there wasn't really another person who was, you know, as I guess, kind of had the combination that I had with the different, you know, the pro and the high-end home side, and all different aspects of technology. So I had a lot of clients very quickly, loved the area, and built it up from there. That's awesome. And you dropped some major uh, bands and people. Uh, that you've been a, you've worked with directly and indirectly. Just tell us some of the cool things, some of the cool things you've done, you know, in the music industry. I mean, you, talk to us. Well, it's been uh, an incredible, incredible ride, and still going full steam. Thank God. Good. Um, you know, client-wise, uh, 
you know, amazing clientele that I've been able to work with, and I've worked really, really hard to do that. I've started multiple companies, uh, all in areas that I'm very passionate about, that I want to continue uh, learning about. You know, talking about specifics, uh, you know, working with the Stones was very cool. Um, you know, of course, the years with Aerosmith were amazing, and so many great stories and experiences and, and moments working with Ozzy Osbourne and then being on the Osbournes during the heyday of that TV show right. was really, you know, that was cool. Um, and I remember the first time I went to the house where they were filming the show and, and that's where, of course, Ozzy asked me to meet him because we were going to put the studio and we did end up putting the studio um, in the backyard of his house of where they were filming the Osbournes. And the show was so popular. And to go back to 2003, this is when um, you know it was the highest rated show in cable TV history at that time. Hmm. And so when we pulled up to the gate, and it's, it was surreal because I'm pulling up to the gate that I had been watching this gate and this show already for two seasons, <laughs> right. right? It's just a fan of Ozzy and the Osbournes thought the show was really funny and a, and a cool show. And now here I am pulling up to the gate as a guest of Ozzy and because uh, he had called me, I was referred to him uh, by Ringo Starr, uh, which was also one of the coolest moments working with the Beatle. But um, I pull up to the gate, and there's, it was literally like Beatlemania. There were like 100 people waiting out front of the gate. It, the show was so popular that there was like a f group of people in front of his house 24 right. hours a day just because they just wanted to get a glimpse. It was bizarre. But it was so exciting. Like when you're in that environment, it's, it's so different. You know, most people are not living a life, you know, followed around by fans and all that stuff. So when you see it, it's very electric. Like it's, it's very, uh, very different and exciting. And then of course meeting Ozzy and then as it turns out, I built the studio for him there and we worked together for years and, and it, they were filming the show during the studio build. So I ended up on the show for a couple of seasons and that was a gas. And, uh, and I remember being a part of Ricky Martin, living La Vida Loca. And when we did that, when he did that song with Desmond and Charles Dye mixing it, that was the first number one hit to be mixed what they call in the box, which is a, a completely computer-based recording, editing, and mixing system, which I had installed. And that was one of the things that I was doing a lot of installations with. I kind of helped innovate that concept that you could take what was done on a large console and with a lot of equipment and streamline it with the same or better results inside of a digital audio workstation, right. DAW. So Livin' La Vida Loca was the first number one hit done inside entirely inside of a DAW. So being a part of that as intimately as I was and then going on to work with Ricky and building studios for him and helping him on some projects, it was, uh, you know, it, again, you know, going back to cool moments, like in... 90, yeah, those are pretty cool, by the way. It was cool. I mean, well, <laughs> 99, 2000, 2001, like you have to... I mean, Ricky is, an, is a phenomenal, you know, worldwide superstar all the time. But at that moment, it was... He was innovating things that were, you know, which was setting up just how big he was and was even going to be because he was taking Latin and pop and... And, you know, working with Desmond and just creating all of these, you know, these new sounds. And um, it was it was another phenomenon that to be a part of those those moments and to be on the inside and creatively and technologically mm -hmm. be a part of it. Uh, it's awesome. It's sounds very intriguing. And the fact that you were a part, like you said, your perspective uh, in terms of what happens behind the scenes and you see 
whether it's the followers, whether it's the the fans. What a unique perspective you've had. What a boring, yeah, right. <laughs> well, not so boring life. <laughs> but but speaking of that, music has changed over the years. Uh, and how important do you think music, music and the arts, for this next generation? Well, it's it's so important, and the fact is that it's important for every generation. Yes. When you look at the importance of art in society, yes, you go back hundreds of years and you see countries that crumbled based on the integrity and the value that they put on art. So the whole concept of what music and the arts do for us as a society um, and for for all generations is so vitally important, not only the creation of it, but the, the, the preservation of it, right? We have to preserve yes, all of the, of, of the really iconic, um, you know, art that's been there and, and, and honor it and value it. It's actually the reason that I built my own drum museum as part of my Frangioni Foundation is that that was one of, uh, you know, that was one of the key things that I wanted to do as a give back when I achieved a certain level of success is that I wanted an environment that paid tribute to some of the arts that were really important to me, which, it, which is drumming and electronics. I already have a recording studio. I use it on a lot of projects, but I wanted something that was a, more global and, and more accessible, and drumming is a universal language. And I thought that um, you know if, if I could obtain some amazing, iconic drum kits and kind of save them, if you will, because most drum kits, even with famous drummers and whatnot, they find their way dismantled or they sell it to somebody that puts it in a basement and you never see it again. And right. it's really hard to preserve them. And I was able to go out over the years and put together a nice collection. And uh, as a result, built a drum museum, started my foundation and wrote a book hmm. that got published by Inside Editions, which is called Crash. Okay. And in fact, we do a giveaway, crashbook.net. Okay. That anybody listening, go to crashbook.net and you can register for a free copy because I believe that you know you get and you give. And um, the Crash Book is the entire collection photographed by Mark Weiss, who's a world-famous rock photographer. And um, you can get up close and personal with all these drum kits. You can read the book or you can just go through it as a coffee table book and look at all the pictures. But it's all about preserving the arts. It's all about these drum kits that long after all of us are gone today, you'll still have this book that you can look at all of these kits that were significant in the time period that they were used from Buddy Rich in the 50s to Louis Belson in the 60s and Ringo Starr's drum kits in the 60s that he did all of those Beatles appearances and right. records with to you know Keith Moon with The Who and Van Halen, Alex Van Halen's mm. kits and Neil Peart from Rush's kit and Mitch Mitchell with Jimi Hendrix and Carl Palmer and uh, you know, Eric Singer from Kiss, who wrote the afterword of the book, and Carl wrote the forward. Um, just all about preserving the arts and giving generations to come this information and this inspiration that I think is really important. What's beautiful about that, and Big Brothers, Big Sisters, our foundation's mentoring. Everything we do is about really empowering, igniting, and inspiring the potential in these young people. And in this space, this beautiful platform, shout out to Carnival Cruise Lines, shout out to DJ Irie and Irie Foundation, the partnership we have as it relates to having music and the arts as one of the key areas that we, platform is mentoring the foundation, but to expose these kids to the 
world of music and the arts. How, why is it so important that Big Brothers, Big Sisters uh, get these kids involved in this creative space as well, David? Well, it's, it's more important than can even be spoken. You know, we'll talk about mm-hmm. it, but the fact is it's really that important. And what I mean specifically is that when I look back at the mentors that I've had throughout my life, um, and starting with my parents, yes. who were, you know, the whole reason that I can sit here and list off all of these names. You know, I can take credit for the hard work and the sacrifice and all that, but even those values came from them. So they were really the foundation and the bedrock for everything that my life has been. Um, on every level. And so the importance of that guidance and the importance of that stability and that consistency shapes a child's life for the rest of their life, which means that everybody with whom they come in contact, everybody who they inspire, who they then have as family, it just goes on and on and on and on. And the more foundation that we put down with uh, you know, for and with these children to put them in a place where they have the proper guidance and they have the inspiration in the right areas and they really, at a time when they're still able to be molded and they're still able to understand values mm. and understand good decisions and self-awareness and some of the key components to how to live the most fulfilled life that you can, at that time, for big brothers and big sisters to be there for them when they don't have necessarily other options to provide that, I mean, how, I don't think of any, I can't think of anything bigger. Wow. I tell you what, outside of your family, David, who is, you know, of course, there's probably been several, but in terms of that one person that just helped guide you along your journey, outside of family, we understand and appreciate the blessings of, of our immediate family mentoring us and guiding us and supporting us. Who was that person? Outside of family. Well, I can't say there was one of person. Course. There was a, It was a sequence. I had I, like I had a Curtis Knight who was a local businessman singer in Boston uh, who was giving me some guidance. Stephen Tyler through the years because I started working with Aerosmith so young. Right. He was he mentored me, um, and you know there Gene Jolly and Chuck Surak who were retail music technology retail visionaries. So from the business side and from understanding how to take what I loved to do and actually make a business of it and actually combine different elements of what I like to do into a successful <coughs> business and career. Chuck Surak from Sweetwater Sound and um, and Gene Jolly at the time was with EU Wurlitzer. Um, at different times, those two gentlemen were you know, in, incredible mentors. Chuck Surak has built Sweetwater Sound to be the number one online music retailer in the world. We wow. used to sit in my living room of my modest house and talk technology, and now he's got a, a campus to house his business. It literally has like its own gym and you know barber shop and cafeteria. I mean, it's like a massive, incredible business he's built up because he serves people so well. And Gene did the same thing with his career. He went from Wurlitzer to Guitar Center. He's a QSC now. and. These are just visionaries, and I was so fortunate yes. to come in contact with them and for them to take <clears throat> me under their wing. And then as the years went on, um, you know, I, I found different mentors through um, a lot more understanding of that I needed to be mentored. 
you know, when I talk about some of the mentors early on, I didn't realize they were my mentors. Right, of course. Right? These are just people who were giving me guidance. That's and, right. And were there with you. They were there with me yes. when I didn't even understand why. Beautiful. And I was just so blessed and thankful that someone with more knowledge and experience than myself in an area that I was interested would take the time to give me guidance. And may that never end for our kids. Just it, people it keep can't. being there with them. Yeah, 100%. And the fact that the Big Brothers Big Sisters does it in such a methodical way and in such a, a, a caring and, uh, and, and large-scale way, it takes what I just kind of happenstance, you know, met this person and met that person and really, really hustled to, um, you know, to be able to even meet those people. Big Brothers Big Sisters, it does it in an organized manner where you can serve so many children and give them mentoring and guidance at a time when they need it most, but none of us at that age realize it. You right. can't expect someone under the age of even 18 or 19 to really grasp that you know, even with a lot of parental guidance and whatnot, you don't understand really the role of a teacher, the role of a mentor, and how powerful it is. And when I say life shaping, you well know for all that you've done, and it's unbelievable what you've accomplished, Gail. Um, you know, it you can't overstate that it it really is life changing, and that's what the whole purpose of this is. And the future is bright when mentors continue to do what uh, they're doing on a daily basis. And here in Miami and across this beautiful nation. Speaking of future, David, before we close the show, what does the future look like for David Frangioni? Well, continuing to, you know, just work really hard and, and uh, build my businesses and, uh, you know, I'll probably write more books. I've got some really big projects that uh, I'm in the process of putting together. I uh, love doing my artist development. I started a company called All Access IDA, which is Inspire and Develop Artists, which is the IDA part of it. And um, we do high-level uh, mentoring and um, artist development for um, mostly singers, uh, but but groups as well. And it's really an amazing, amazing experience to help an artist find their way and take them from their talent, in a lot of cases raw talent, all the way through to what can become a career and beyond. Um, and so between Audio One and Frangioni Media and my books and my foundation and uh, All Access IDA um, and some side projects that are passion projects as well, you know, hopefully with, with good health, the future will be great. Well, God bless you, David. I tell you what, may the air drummers like me uh, and the real drummers like you uh, continue to make beautiful music together with these kids. Uh, for those who are listening on this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the social media platforms, <coughs> may we continue to make beautiful music together for these kids because when it comes to mentoring, we don't want to miss a thing. That's a wrap. Game of life. Let's go. Hey, this is Gail Nelson, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Miami, the host of The Game of Life. Treasure.